Father, you alone are worthy of praise. Father, we just thank you this morning for your son. Father, we're amazed by your mercy and grace and how you treat each one of us. Father, you are a great God and we worship you. And we thank you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. 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 It's great to be with you again. Um, I promised you last time that I, I would finish the sermon that I had for you last time. I only gave you two out of the three disciples of Jesus Christ do what? Um, touch lepers. Remember, I shared with you that. And befriend prostitutes. You remember that because we had a b- bikini coffee maker. Yeah. Yeah, that was un- unforgettable. And the last one is we offend Pharisees. And, and I just want you to remember that Jesus did some really wonderful things. Primarily, he did them on the Sabbath, which was kind of because the people were around and he was doing amazing miracles at that time. And the things that he did on the Sabbath weren't held in high esteem by the Pharisees or the scribes or the Sadducees. They really disliked that a lot. And it's wonderful to go back and see how often he was called into question. Did not stop his ministry at all. But we realize that he wasn't really popular when he was carrying out the will of his father. And what I have to share with you is that being a disciple is an important aspect of who we are. And that being called to discipleship with Jesus to follow him, actually carry out the request that we have. Lord, can we follow you? Doing it the way he is asking us to do it is costly. It's, it, 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 it costs you, a, 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 there's a price to pay. And, and I, want to, I want you to know right at the very beginning that it's worth every penny you pay. Every, every ounce of relationship, every, every part of what you do counts in the kingdom of God and you can make a difference. I, I really love every dimension of service, and everybody can serve in some way or another, uh, whether it's praying, whether it's giving, whether it's being an usher at the back, whether it's whatever it is, marvelous things take place when you carry out the work of God in you for the people that God wants you to minister to. So everybody can do that. Now, I have to... Okay, so I, I, this, is, this is hard for me because after 50 years, uh, I've, I've come to the place of realizing that maybe, maybe just people will tell me I, I'm, I'm too intense. <laughs> I hear it. And, and, and they've told me that they had to do things when they come to church. And whether you're asking for the tithe or whether you're asking us to serve or whatever you're asking us, along with everything else that I've got to do, I mean, holy smokes, I'm up to here. So, okay, I understand that. So I'm going to do something for you today. I've talked to the elders and the staff, and we've started working on something we think will kind of compromise this in some way. Hope you'll feel better about it. We're going to change the name of the church. Yeah, South Valley Community, you've been known as for many years, and so we're going to call it Light Church, you know, like beer, you know, Light Church, Light Church, right. Not L-I-G-H-T, I'm talking L-I-T-E, right? And, and, 
and there no more, okay, and, and I understand this, no more are we going to require the tithe, no, no more are we going to require service. You don't even have to talk to the person next day to you unless you want to, right? <laughs> and, and, and I think, well, I just need to welcome you to Light Church. Hi, everybody. This is for you. No thanks. No thanks. <laughs> I, well, I heard some of the... Some of the folks out front and some of the staff talking, um, I, I want to share with you what I heard. It, they were kind of privileged to this before you were, and, and here's what I'm hearing. Church is great. It's all about me. You know, I come for worship, and you know, I, I leave right after offering. Or, I come for the free donuts. No? I saw some of that, I think. I heard that we don't have Ten Commandments anymore. We've only got five. And of the five, you only have to really, well, you can, you can choose the ones you really want to follow. As for me, I was looking at them and I'm thinking, you know, the one of misusing the name of God, I can do. I can handle that. The adultery one I'm thinking I want to keep for myself. We're slashing commitment in half. We have 15-minute sermons, so it's almost done. <laughs> Sermonette. <laughs> Serving, don't even think about it. Just show up. We're really trying to consider about what, what do you need? How do we make church easier for you? How does that feel? Does it feel good? I, I want you to consider it this morning just simply because as I looked over my life as a pastor, 50, 45 years now, I've been in it a long time since the flood. <laughs> and, and having watched people, I realize that we are in some way misunderstanding all of us, me and uh, right here, I raised my hand first are misunderstanding what God is calling us to when he's calling us to serve, and he's, we're, misunderstand, we're misunderstanding what it means to follow him. Remember I talked to you about the first time, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, come, and I, and I start walking expecting him to bring up the rear? It's kind of where we are. And, and, and in that process, I'm having to assess my own life. As I look at the scriptures, I find in Mark, which is a really interesting book for me, Mark chapter 1, if you, if you have your, your Bible, you're going to see how the Holy Spirit through, through Jesus is continuing to work with the people that God has given him. And, and as you read this, you find that people with high fevers are taken care of. You feel people that are demon-possessed are dealt with. People with leprosy are coming and kneeling in front of Christ and he's healing them. People with an evil spirit are being, being, being dealt with in, in a very positive and loving way. And the demon is cast out and the person is set free. And all of a sudden I started seeing a pattern in this as I was looking at it. I, I realized that Jesus was instructing those that were following him that ministry for him was any time, any place with anyone. I thought that was quite interesting. It's hard, it's hard for me because that's very uncomfortable. 
When the lady called me in the morning at 2 o'clock to tell me that the bathroom in the church right across the street from where she lived was on and I needed to come down and turn it off, I thought, Jill, why me? Why don't we call a deacon or, you know, hello, trustee or... So any other member, they should, you know, I'm the pastor, I shouldn't have to do that, 2 o'clock in the morning. And she said, you are the pastor and you're the very one that should be doing it. And I went down, it wasn't half bad. I not only turned off the light, I got to talk to her for quite a while. And it was a very positive conversation. What I, what I was seeing as I began studying the Jesus ministry in the world that God gave him is that it was any time, any place, anyone, everyone mattered. It was all about people. And that's, that's what I am learning as a person as I study the scripture. He's calling me. Could be any time. It could be any place. It could be any one of you. Look at the person next door to you and say, you're really irregular. <laughs> yeah, hello. I'm married 51 years to an irregular person. And I love her to death. She deserves my time and my energy and my love. And I'm learning God is calling me to something like that he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Amazing. But it's interesting to me. And I'm having to reassess. Then, then it forced me to start looking at the disciples that Jesus was calling because honestly, I thought they were special. How about you? Anybody think the disciples were special? Yeah. And, 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 you know, in my attitude of them, they were just below the Pope, you know, teasing, but, but you know what I mean. They certainly were head and shoulders above anything that I, I, I could be. And then I started looking at them, and I found out that Jesus called ordinary people. They, they were ordinary. Okay, look at the person next to you and say, just like you. That's, some of us just fainted. Because to hear that Jesus is calling disciples that were ordinary people, like you, very good, like me, that's a whole new ball game. Puts me on a different playing field. It makes me a John Elway. Then, yeah, good, good quarterback, good passer. Um, and I began to realize that Jesus was calling his first team. Didn't, didn't have a second. Those that he's calling, those people that are ordinary, those people that are like me, those, those people that are you, represented right here, are the very ones that Jesus is calling. And I think the disciples in, 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 my, in my thought process were extraordinary. They were superhuman. They were, they were otherworldly. They were, they were almost divine. Highest and noblest and best. We've kind of put them on that plane. They'd be shocked. In a way, they'd be horrified. To think that in any way they had the ability to do what God was calling them to do without the power of the Holy Spirit would be an anathema to them. They wouldn't understand that. It would be hurtful.
in talking about them, I began to realize that no one was known, not one of the disciples was, was known for speaking or theology. No, nobody had a formal education. They were all outsiders to the societies of their day. No particular talents, nor were they intellectually capable of arguing with anybody that was in the realm of the religious. They had mistakes and misjudgments and misunderstandings and bad attitudes. I kind of smile at that because I'm already finding some of myself in that. Don't you? They had lapses of faith. They had bitter failure. They were argumentative. Even their leader, Peter, probably the most. Jesus said they were slow learners, spiritually dense blockheads. And I'm thinking, I'm at home. How about you? Are you starting to feel at home, at least with the people that are being identified? The interesting thing is it didn't stop there. They were a zealot. They were tax collectors. They were fishermen. They were craftsmen. They were farmers. They were all from Galilee except for Judas. And yet every one of them was personally selected by Jesus Christ himself. Now listen, folks. You didn't come to him. He came to you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. He met you on the road to Damascus. You weren't looking for him. He chose you. My dad said, I hope I have to drop my drawers. I mean, this is, this is horrendously... It motivates me to look more closely. When I see that the disciples could be labeled in this way, and I understand that I'm 2,000 years later very much like them, recognizing that I've been called by Christ just like they were called by Christ, I want a little more. I want to know a little more. So I said, Lord, show me that. And, and, and you can look it up. It, you'll, you'll be interested on the television, uh, excuse me, on your computer, um, there, YouTube. You, you, hello. Um, dust. Can you remember that? D-U-S-T. Um, dust of the rabbi. Remember that? Let's say it. Dust of the rabbi. Look it up. Now, I have to, uh, there's a little disclaimer, I, f f uh, small print. The guy that's going to share with you the dust of a rabbi is extremely bright. And he has a huge, had a huge church in Chicago. And, and he's stepped outside of the Orthodox a couple different times, but when it comes to what he knows about Jewish life and the life of the disciples, it's amazing. So you're going to want to look it up. You'll enjoy it. Very, very well done. Not hard to listen to. Really lots of insight. In the dust of the rabbi, he tells this story. Do you remember... Um, 
In Mark and in Luke, Jesus tells the story of Peter washing his nets. Jesus comes, the boats are empty, he gets into one of the boats and starts teaching the people. Remember it? Okay, and so when he finishes, he says to the disciples, he says to Peter and John and Andrew, he says, take your boats out to the deeper portion of the lake, throw your nets in, and they immediately raise their hands. Raise your hands. Good, just like that. And they said, look, we've been fishing all night, caught a, didn't catch a thing. As far as we're concerned, that lake's empty this morning. This morning. We're going broke. Here's, here's a really interesting statement that they made right after that. Never, nevertheless, you've asked, and because you've asked, we'll do what you ask. I love that statement simply because it calls me into the reality of where I am. God will ask me to do certain things that I'm going to say, is there somebody else up there? And God will also ask me the things that I will say, is there someone else up there? But because you asked, I'm willing to do. Because the things that we have to do as a disciple that he calls us to are not easy things. It's costly. It cost every one of the disciples their life. And I'm, I'm serious. One disciple was, was filleted with knives and died. One, one, uh, one disciple was killed with a spear. One, one, one disciple was hung upside down. One, one, one disciple said, I want to last longer on the cross. Just tie my wrists and he did, and they did. Over and over and over again, it tells about a high price that they paid. In life and in the, in the process of going to meet the Lord face to face, it was a costly thing. It's a costly thing to be a disciple of Christ. And, and as I look at their life, I begin to see something that's really kind of cool. Jesus knew them pretty well. He knows you pretty well. He knows everything about you from top to bottom, inside out. He knows everything about you. You can't say to him, I can't speak. You can't say to him, I can't hear. You can't say to him, I, I can't talk. You can't say to him, I won't walk well, very well anymore. You can't say that I have a tough time with relationships that he doesn't already know. Do you, do you realize that? He already knows. It's no secret to him. And he says, well, good, I'm glad, because now the power of the Holy Spirit can make up in your life the things that I'm going to have uh, to have you use in order to do what I'm calling you to. You have to understand, when I go on the football field, when I'm, when I'm young and I'm playing football, I, I'm given some resources. I, I didn't go onto the field without anything. I had pads, I had a helmet, I had a football, I had guys that were walking with me. And it's the same way as we ask Christ if we can follow him, he immediately starts supplying us with whatever we need to carry on the work of ministry. You don't have to do this alone or you have to don't do it under your own power. If you find yourself doing that, don't do it. But he wants everybody to be involved in your area. Okay, so, you know, what are my gifts? I am a horrible administrator. But I'm a pastor, so I've got to work on that. 
And I call somebody to me that is a great administrator. And they pat me on the back. Pastor Fred, you've taken such great care of the church. And I'm thinking, it isn't me. It's her. It's him. It's them. Same with our, as Jesus calls us to the ministry. We're able to do things that we never thought we were able to do because the Holy Spirit supplies the power and we're called to do it and it's the most amazing thing. Guys and gals, you're missing stuff. You're missing stuff. So as I looked at the lives of the disciples, I realized Jesus didn't always call them by name. That is, the names that they were given. Sometimes he did. We're going we're to see that. But sometimes he, he gave them nicknames. Anybody have a nickname? Mine's fire, fire, Fred the Firefly. I've been that since I was this high. I never have liked that aunt. Well... So as I look at these, we, here are the names. Judas the betrayer. How, you would like that one? Does that sound good? Peter the little rock or pebbles. That name's interchanged. We'll see him called Peter the rock. Every once in a while we'll see pebbles. Instead, we realize that God is using one or the other to demonstrate to us that he is either following him or not following him well. James the, the son of Zebedee means the significant one. I like that one. But, but it really wasn't the disciple that was named the significant one. It was his dad, Zebedee, that was named the significant one. You ever had anybody that you knew you could touch and they could open the door to something that you couldn't get into and you could be a part of because somebody else opened that door? And that's what happened with Zebedee. Evidently, he was well-known and took care of the disciples and often opened the door for them to enter into places that they couldn't normally go. We need that in ministry. Thaddeus, a really interesting guy and his name. He actually had two names, Thaddeus and Labius. Thaddeus means mama's boy. How many? You got a few of those? Uh, uh, Labius, heart child. It's another word for that. You know, It's another word to being able to say... He's known as a mama's boy. Andrew and Philip were fishermen. We don't know a lot about them. Bartholomew was actually Bartholomew Nathaniel. And it was interesting, God has given is Nathaniel. It's really the one of the most scriptural names that we have. Matthew, tax collector, he's called collector. Thomas, a doubter. James, the son of Alphaeus. I didn't really like this one either. You know, I'm, I'm James the lesser. Or I'm James the little one. <laughs> or I don't seem to matter much, James. How many like that? Simon the zealot. Cananian is his name, is, is, is the word. And, and it just means a person who is politically correct. He, he carried a knife in his pocket, probably in that long flowing robe somewhere. 
And when he found somebody that was left alone without a lot of help, a soldier, a Roman soldier, he knew where to stick the knife. And as I look at those names and the description of those people, I can't imagine that they changed the world. Can you? Would they be the ones you'd be picking? They'd be on your team? And yet Jesus, Jesus specifically asked for them, called them out, follow me. Because he knew that he had an agent of change that would in effect take what they were known for and make them into something he needed for the work of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit. Amazing. And he took every one of them and most all of them, except John, lost their life through means that you and I would not appreciate. I thought, oh my, this is starting to speak to me. This is starting to mean something to me. This makes sense to me that he would take somebody like me flunked out of college, had a difficult time in school, struggled most of my life with asthma, sickly kid. He would take somebody like me and he could use me in a variety of ways. And it's the most amazing thing is I talk to people. I talk to people of age, right? Okay, 75 about my age. And, and, and you know what their top topic is? Vowels. Yeah. You know, that's what they think of most. And, and, then, and then after that, generally explanations like, I wish God would take me because I'm not making any difference in my world. I'm just, and I want to slap them up alongside the head. And help them to realize that they are of all people my most, my most important person. A person can do nothing more than pray is my most valuable person. I want 150 of you praying regularly with knowledge about what God it is God wants us to pray for. You matter. You all matter. God is saying you matter. You, you, you're somebody I want to love and I want to care for. I love you the way you are. Remember what I said? We would say it at Sierra View Community Church, SVCC. We, we would say, I love you, God says. I love you just the way you are. But I love you too much to let you stay that way. If you're looking for purpose, today, I have a 14-year-old grandson. In the world in which we live, more people, 14 years of age to 19 years of age, are losing their life through suicide than any other. Hurts me. I pray for him regularly. Because I know how difficult life is. And I want you to know, Jesus has a plan for your life. I'm not just throwing it out because it's a great phrase. You've heard over and over again. I'm throwing it out because it's absolutely true. He loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And you are better doing what he has planned than anything else that you can do. Amen? Look at the person next to you and say, God has a plan for you. He does. And he has a Holy Spirit for you.
to motivate you, to encourage you, to supply power to you, to give you everything you need to carry out the work, the ministry that he has for you. He is amazing. He's amazing. God has no backup plan. You are the first team. Whatever he asks you to do, the Holy Spirit will supply the resources. There are steps of commitment in this, as I, I began reading in, in uh, Mark 1 and in Matthew 5. As I began reading that, I saw these things pop out. First of all, we start by being a follower. If you've never asked Christ if you could follow him, you need to do it today, right now. Don't worry about how much has gone on behind you or how much you're lacking for the future. Trust him. He won't let you down, I promise. Ask him, can I follow you? A follower is the starting place. And then we become a disciple or a learner or a student. And we begin seeing how amazing he is. And the more amazing I see God to be, the more amazing I see Christ to be, the more excited about who it is that I have a relationship with. I've been married with Jill how many years? You can probably remember. 51 going on 52 years. I love her more today than, than when I saw her walking down the aisle years ago. And it's the only thing of the wedding I remember. And our love has grown more and more and more, not because of who I see in her, but who she is. And the more I know about who she is, the more I love her. She's, she's over there. How long has she been? How long have we been with you now? Two or three months? If we're lucky. She's, she's doing the toddlers every Sunday. That's her love. So you don't have to ask me anymore, where is Jill? taking care of the kids. She loves those kids. And she's taught for so many years, and she loves those kids. And she's taught teachers, and she's taught principals, and she's helping them understand what their job is. And I love her, but not as much as for her love for me. Because I'm really weird. <laughs> I am. And she loves me in spite of the weirdness. And if Jill can love me in spite of the weirdness, can you imagine what God does? Can you imagine how much he cares? Can you imagine how much he does for me, for you? And so the next is, I give up stuff. I see the disciples, they immediately dropped their nets and did what? Follow Jesus. And I'm thinking, holy schmoly, drop their nets. You know, it's as if someone could come. If Jesus walked in the door and he says, Fred, come follow me. And all of a sudden this church was, I just let it go. I just dropped the mic right there. <laughs> and I just followed him. They followed him. They gave up everything. They gave up family. They abandoned everything, their father and mother and friends. Jesus was number one. It's not the others weren't important. They were all important. In fact, you can tell how important it is because Jesus hanging on the cross of Calvary looks down at people that were below him and he did an amazing thing for his mother. 
He looks at his mom, Mary, who's, can you imagine seeing your son on the cross? He looked at her and he says, Mary, I want you to meet your son, John. John, this is your mom. You take care of her. And I, my whole heart went, because I realized he really did care about people and took care of them. And after that, after the abandonment, we're to go and give. Going and giving is a tough thing in that you have to actually get out of your rocking chair. You have to open your door and, and leave. You have to get in your car and leave. You, gotta, you actually got to go somewhere where somebody might need something that you have available to give. Everybody has. Okay, reach in your pocket. Not if you have a dress. That won't work probably. You see, today I've got 20, 30, 35, 38 cents. <laughs> Not much, is it? But it matters somebody. You have things that will matter to somebody. The things God given you will matter to somebody. Will you matter to somebody? The question, will you matter to somebody? I think as Jesus taught, there's only one real end. He wants us to know that the Great Commission should actually occupy most of our attention. So what's the Great Commission? Anybody know? Go into all the world and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the... You see, you get this. You know this. I'm going to leave it there. You wrestle with it. Father, I just thank you this morning. As we look at the disciples, we realize, gosh, they were just ordinary people. They were just human, just like me. They had, they had problems, just like I've got problems. They struggled, just like I struggled. They, wow, they did some things I would never think about doing. And then I realized, after you chose them, you started training them, and your Holy Spirit worked His way into their life. And because the Holy Spirit does He work in those lives, they changed the world. Help us change the world. Lord, help us change the world. Help us change the world, our world. I can't do much in Washington. can't do much in California and Sacramento. But Lord, give me the strength to change the people that I meet every day. To glory with you when you see, through your Holy Spirit, the lives change. To really enjoy who you are. To really begin taking the steps of identifying people through your eyes. Of doing the things that I would never think about doing. 
because you're calling me to do them. I've tried those things, Lord, but because you're saying it, I am going to do what you're asking me to do. And may you receive the glory and the praise in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. I'm going to let you go, but first I, I wanted to show you something. My card is filled. How about yours? You have them available today. You got them last week. And the, the, the thing is, you can't talk to people about God until you've talked to God about people. This gives us an opportunity to pray for some people that we know are not following him. And that you're saying, God, I'm really, I'm intent about being the person or God, you providing the person that tells them about Jesus. I wish that every one of us would have one and fill one out. Begin praying. You have people that you're meeting at the crossroads of your life every day, and they need to know the love of the Savior. If they don't, pray for them. Yes? Thank you for doing that. And we'll count on it.